Welcome to Knit, Design, Edit, Sleep, Repeat with Lisa Conway and Denise Finley. Let's listen in and see what's happening, who's happening, and what's new in their world. Today, Denise asks me questions about grading, and we discuss size inclusivity. Hey, Lisa. Hey, Denise. How are you doing today? I am great. How about yourself? Oh, I'm totally loving the sunshine. <gasps> yeah, we see it every once in a while here, but not too often. It's actually beginning to feel like maybe winter will end. <laughs> I know we've got at least another full month, but you know. Yeah. It's, it's been warm here. I shouldn't complain, but it's been rainy. You know, it's typical spring in Portland, so duh. <laughs> well, what I called about, Lisa, is um, I've been doing some thinking and, and some reading. Uh, I don't know if this, what I'm going to ask you about is new or if the fact that they're just kind of highlighting it is new. But I've been reading a lot about grading I'm, I'm assuming that's sizes and patterns, but can you tell me, I mean, in detail, what is grading? Well, grading is actually the process of taking a sample size, you know, one given size pattern or piece of clothing, and then turning it into multiple sizes. And you, it's interesting you should say, is this new? It's actually a relatively new idea. Hmm. It didn't even begin to be used until the early 1900s. Prior to that, people made their own clothing. So everything right. was size specific to the person. Even if a tailor sure. made it, the tailor would take your measurements and create almost create the pattern from scratch each time. Kind of like how I did the wedding dresses. Yes, very mm -hmm. much like you did the wedding dresses and okay. very much like I used to do one-of-a-kind sweaters when I was in my 20s. Mm -hmm. But in the early 1900s, people began to look more towards purchasing their clothing and that led to manufacturing of clothing hmm. and they needed to figure out, okay, what sizes do we create this in? What's What are people going to buy? So the first actual body size study was in the U.S. Now, it might have been done sooner over in Europe and the United Kingdom, but in the U.S. was done by the military in the 1930s. Huh. I wonder if my husband knows about that. I'll have to ask. <laughs> you know, it's... That was one of his... Uh master's degrees was military history right that would be interesting <laughs> mm -hmm. and i i think i'm right when i say 1930s i would have to go back to my notes for my grading class mm -hmm. to be absolutely certain but it was well, right around <laughs> right around those that early 1900s 1920s mm -hmm. 1930s sure but sizing is very unique to each manufacturer as well oh by bet yeah so it's tricky because the size numbers are basically all made up. Yeah. And I know that. nobody matches exactly the quote unquote size charts that are available. Mm -hmm. But it's some place to start. Yeah. 
I understand that. So great baby, great little. Okay, <laughs> my tongue just got totally wrapped up around my teeth. All right, eye teeth, and you can't see where you're talking. That's exactly right. <laughs> but the grading is actually the process of taking whatever base size or sample size and expanding it out in either direction to make it bigger or smaller. Or smaller. Interesting. So when you do something like this in, in your line of business as a tech editor, how long does it take to grade a garment? It depends a lot on the sweater that I'm grading. If it's a very simple design, a couple of weeks. Weeks? Wow. Yes. Because okay. you can only work on it for so long each day before your brain says, I'm done. <laughs> because bet. you're staring at spreadsheets and you're dealing with large quantities of numbers. And there's a definite brain overload point, And that's when you start making mistakes. Exactly. So usually I'll work on it for three, maybe four days for about two to four hours max the first week. And then the second week I go back and I try to recheck every single number. Wow. So that's why I say at least two weeks for a complicated design. It could take as long as three because it may take longer than that first three or four days to get the base numbers. And then mm. you've still got to double check it. Wow. So, so this is like a math thing. Yeah. So if I look at it in hours, it's eight to 10 hours generally. And for a complicated design, it could be 12 to 15. Okay. Okay. Well, but I, like I said, I, you have to spread it over time. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. The numbers would just kind of all run together, I guess. Hey, they really do. Ugh. And you really want to take the time. Now, the other thing that I add in there, excuse me, I, a little bit of a burp there. Apologize. The thing I add in a little extra time for is once I have those numbers done and mm -hmm. into the pattern, because usually this is a situation where you don't work by just sending them the numbers and they put them in, you get a, an editable copy of the pattern and you add those numbers in. I have a tech editor I work with that I will send the pattern to. She will check just the numbers mm. and send it back to me. She runs the numbers, huh? Yep. It. I didn't do that on the first grading job I did, and I was really sorry because there were some silly mistakes made where numbers got reversed. The... Um, imperial oh, yeah. got put in place of the metric and the metric got to put in place of, of the imperial and things like that, hmm. that she would have caught and caught for me right off the bat. Right. Well, live and learn, right? Yep. Well, yep. so here's another crazy question in some of my reading, you know, before I wanted to chat with you about this, I saw the phrase proportional ease. Now I know what ease is because negative and positive ease, because I, we use that knitting all the time. But what is proportional ease? And um, do you recommend using it? Proportional ease is adjusting your size 
by a percentage system. So if you look at Elizabeth Zimmerman's mm -hmm. EPS, you know, where you mm -hmm. use a percentage to create Correct. your, your sweater, mm -hmm. that's using proportions and it may work on a single body. But it doesn't work well when you're going from one size to the next. So if you say my ease is, you know, 5% on my sample, if you're going smaller, you're using less ease. And when you're going larger, you do more ease. Right. That's proportional ease. The problem with proportional ease is it only works for a very limited range of sizes, the oh. very middle. The minute you get too small or too large, your proportional ease blows out. Mm. So for example, if you're talking about armhole depth, depth the arm size, mm -hmm. and you're using a proportional ease, well, if it's 5% on your middle size, it's now 10% on your largest size, but their arm hole depth isn't that much longer than the middle size. Right. So you end up with garments on either end that really don't fit the body well. Some manufacturers still use this. And that's why you might find a manufacturer that the largest sizes, their armholes are like 15 inches deep because they've used proportional ease. So, no, I don't recommend it. it Would can, there ever be a time when they can, you could use it? Or, you know, there, are certain, there are certain areas of the body it might work for. Mm, okay. But I would never apply it to the entire design. Okay. Huh, 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 huh. Well, that's very interesting because I was, I made a dress years and years and years ago. I was pregnant for one of my kids and I would just took a regular dress pattern and I was going to make it bigger. And it was a very strange construction anyway, which should have been the clue to me. I shouldn't have done it. But the arms, um, I made them too big. They were just huge, you know, so that must have been what happened. I made everything the same amount of size bigger. And then when I got to the arms, I just did the same thing there. Yes. That's another place where proportional ease can be used is if you're uh, taking a pattern and uh -huh. resizing it and you use the same proportion for every size change area, you're changing the size. Mm -hmm. And again, like you said, it, it takes some of those areas like the armhole. The armhole is one of the, worst places to apply proportional ease. And it even is a bad place to apply the same amount of ease as you would in other areas. So for example, exactly. if you've got um, an inch positive ease around the bust, you don't necessarily want an inch positive ease at the upper arm. And I think that's what happened. I think that's why it, it, they just look like bat wings or something. It was horrible. Right. <laughs> it you, was different parts of the body require different amounts of ease. So. Yep. And my uh, pregnancy brain was just like <laughs> done with all of it. I went out and bought a dress. <laughs> well, you know, I'll be honest. That kind of mistake is easy to make, regardless of pregnancy brain or not. <laughs> okay. 
Well, let's switch gears a little bit here because um, I'm going to try to make this a little more personal. So if you wanted, uh, if I wanted you to do grading for me, like I made a sweater, a pattern or a dress pattern, and I wanted you to do the grading, is there anything else besides the pattern? Uh, what do I need to send to you? For the grade to be successful, I mean, are there other numbers or measurements or? Oh, there's a ton of information. As a matter of fact, I have a, is it three or four page document that I send? It's a four page document that I send with questions to the designer. Wow. To give me enough information to be able to complete the, the grade. And even then there will be a moment where I'm looking at the grading job and I say, you know, how does this designer want this part to go? And so there's, there's got to be regular communication back and forth between myself and the designer, which is another reason why it can take up to two to three weeks because Mm -hmm. there's got to be time built in Mm -hmm. for that email delay. Well, so I, you don't have to tell me in detail, but are the things that you're asking or requiring in that four-page document, are they measurements? In some cases, what I ask for is clear photographs oh. with the tape measure on certain portions of the document of the garment. Oh. So that, for example, the cross-back measurement, mm-hmm. I want, it's really helpful for, for me to have a photograph Mm-hmm. with the a ruler or a tape measure or something laid flat on it so that you can see where not only what the measurement is but exactly where the designer is measuring. So mm-hmm. in some cases I'll ask for more detailed photographs. I ask for uh, how they want their design labeled you know, do they want small, medium, large? Do they want huh. it listed as 30, 32, 34, mm. 36? How, how do they want that labeled? I get very specific about yarn usage. I ask them not only what yarn did they use and what are their estimates of the yarn used. I ask for them to actually weigh the yarn and tell me, okay, mm. the yarn ball was X when I started. It's Y now because I calculate the yards and meters based on how much they actually used. And then of Mm -hmm. course we add percentages to that for swatching and that kind of thing. But it's helpful to know exactly how much they used um, to begin with. Uh, So there there's, and depending on the design, there's different measurements that need to be taken that are unique based on the style of the, of the garment. Wow. You know, this, that's kind of touching the surface. Oh yeah. I can't even imagine. It kind of surprises me because when I was thinking about this, as I read about it a little bit, I just assumed it was like an algorithm. You plugged in a bunch of numbers and boom, you're done. But apparently it's a little more involved than that. It's (laughs) very much more involved. If you were to see the spreadsheet, it's make me have hives anyway. Um, It's color coded. I was taught. I was taught the very good thing about color coding, so that you can see your lines a little easier, mm-hmm. and which size is which a little easier. Sure. That sort of thing. It 
it's supposed to be nice and neat, but it's never nice and neat. <laughs> and there's a lot of referring. Okay, so I've now calculated the lengths for all of the various sizes, but this size looks wrong. It looks like it's going to actually not fall where the designer planned on it falling. Right. So how do I need to adjust that or contacting the designer and saying, you know, if I use body standard body numbers and I adjust based on that, I think this size is going to come out wrong. And we do this back and forth about, you know, is that going to be okay? Is it going to make the design look? Because the goal of grading is to try to make many sizes that look relatively the same as uh, as the sample but on the different body type sizes and body types i guess if you think about it long enough that's daunting for me to think about that it's daunting for many people to think about because when you actually get into the nitty-gritty of it there is so many it it's I'm, I'm struggling for the word for the moment. Um, it's It's got to be a choice. There's no hard and fast rule. Oh, it's very subjective. Yes, subjective mm-hmm. is the word I was looking for. Thank you very much. Very welcome. <laughs> Why my brain decided to miss that word. I, I Usually it happens to me. So So it's a very subjective process and it's, you've got to think of the designer's end goal. Right. If I'm, if I'm grading for myself, it's a much faster process because I'm making the design decision decisions as I go. And it's in your head already. Yeah, I get that. But if you're just, when you're grading for a designer, right you're not in their head Mm -hmm. and sometimes you send them numbers and they look at them and they they say, I'm not sure that works. And so there's the back and forth started on their end, but usually it's, you know, I'm not sure I'm meeting your design goal Mm -hmm. and let's have a conversation on that. So it's very, very subjective because the numbers are all made up. Right. Well, (laughs) You know, with, with this explanation and you're telling me about all this back and forth and it makes sense now that it takes as long as it takes yes. for you to complete a grading assignment. That makes complete sense to me yep. now. When, when you first said that, I went like, what? You know, like I said, I thought you just plug numbers into an algorithm or something. Boom. And that's not the case. <laughs> no, it isn't. There's, there is a lot of, of decision-making that has to happen in the process. Yeah. You can't just automatically plug them in. I think it's why it's so hard to learn to grade. Mm, I bet. You watch, there's a, there's a class on Craftsy on grading. Mm. And the first time I went through that, I thought, okay, that taught me how to do that garment, but how do I do other styles? Right. You know, so then I took my second class in grading, which was, a much bigger class and there still was the well okay that works for that style but what about this style 
So there's a lot of give and take in terms mm-hmm. of even figuring out how to do it. I do plan Next. on taking a third class. Well, that would be good for you. Yeah. <laughs> With um, me, I'm just not interested in anything like that because I've, as much as I've been a knitter my entire life since I was in fourth grade or third grade, I think, and been a seamstress and did alterations and, you know, I've created these wedding dresses and everything. I am just not a numbers person. I never have been. I mean, I can do it, but do I want to? Nah. You know, (laughs) I have designers that I work with that have taken the same classes I have that Mm -hmm. know as much and sometimes maybe even more than I have, Mm -hmm. than I do. But they hate doing it so much. They would rather work with me and let me do the numbers. And then because they know what I'm doing, because they're aware Mm -hmm. of the process, it's way easier to have those conversations when the things come up of, is this really what we want to do? And that makes a lot of sense. Now, quickly, before I move on to something else, this came up too, because as a knitter, I have purchased patterns uh, and received free patterns from all over the world, basically. And some of these patterns are in metric and some of them are in the imperial numbers or the numbers that, you know, we Americans use, right? So which do you grade in? First, I asked the designer. That Smart. That is one of those decisions that generally is made initially by the designer. I will add that I like to work in metric first and do conversions to imperial. That seems odd as an American that that would be the case, but I find it easier to get closer to the size I really want and that the designer really wants by doing the metric and then converting. I prefer metric, actually. In fact, the last wedding dress I made, Danielle's, and the wedding is next weekend. Yay! Um, then yeah. it's off your plate. Yes, exactly. But uh, she, uh, when she sent me, I told her all the measurements that I needed. And there was like 30 of them. Because that's what I require. And uh, she sent them all in metric. I was thrilled to death. Because for me, metric is more precise it's it's for me it's more exact it is because you can actually measure down to a much closer point Mm -hmm. one and a half centimeters is easier to measure than seven eighths of an inch exactly yes and i think i picked up on that a little bit my mom i mentioned she was a seamstress and she taught sewing and she was she did wedding dresses only uh brocaded silk you know things she didn't knit them she or crochet them she sewed them and uh she did a lot of her stuff in metric i believe for the same reason and i remember that she did a lot of tailored suit jackets for men and shirts and i i know she did all those in metric and i think it was for the same reason yeah because your measurements are just more precise mm-hmm. so regardless of what the designer wants in the end I will still often start in metric Mm -hmm. and then work in the other, in that direction. But what I give them is what they ask for. Okay. That makes sense. 
And if they're if they insist that I do everything in Imperial, that's what I do. Well, sure. Well, that makes if sense. It's their design. I mean, right. I, I am the say. collaborator. I am not the designer in that Correct. case. And they had a vision of it a certain way. Right. Certain. Yeah, and they process. want their pattern to look a certain way. And mm-hmm. it's although I will say that in most cases you talk to the designer, they are more than happy for you to start a metric. Because just like you and just like me, they recognize that it is more precise mm-hmm. and they're going to want to com- contain both in the pattern anyway. Yeah, that it just makes more sense to me. <laughs> it, it makes so little sense to do just Imperial mm-hmm. in this world because the United States is the last holdout right. for switching to metric Mm -hmm. even though there are still some countries that their manufactured clothing is still done in imperial right i've i even know my you know i used to anyway i can't remember if i do it now but shoes my shoe size my dress size and everything in metric you know in like over in european like in in france or in england you know different places like that i still can't quite get my head around european size shoes i know and it, what it my size is in European size shoes. But that's because I'm 61 years old and I've done it one way all my life. All and right. And I've ordered shoes online forever. So <laughs> I've kind of. Yeah. See, I have such a hard foot to, to fit yeah, because of toe issues and stuff. But yeah. Okay. Anyway. So here's a couple of more questions and then we can be done. Pretend I want to do this grading for myself. I just want to take the plunge and do it myself and learn something along the way. Question number one, do I need a computer and software to do the grading? Very short answer, no. No. While it's easier with certain software, um, Mm -hmm. spreadsheets in particular, it is perfectly okay. And many people do with paper and pencil. There are even moments that I'm questioning the math on the computer mm-hmm. and I will take a paper and pencil and a calculator and I will sit there and I will figure it. And is this really coming out the way it's supposed to, or have I typed that formula wrong and I'm getting something that's way off. So no, you don't need one. It is helpful. Okay, so if anyone out there is thinking about this grading thing and they're like, oh, I could never do it by myself. I don't have the fancy software. You're saying they could do it themselves, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay. And if they do want to do it with software, they don't have to do it with the most expensive software. Okay, well, that leads me to my second question. Then if they wanted to find some software to work on this, what would you recommend? As much as I hate to say it, my number one recommendation is Microsoft Excel. The reason is because the formulas in Excel are more advanced than any other spreadsheet program. That said, if you are on an Apple computer, Apple automatically comes with their version of Excel, which is called Numbers. Yes, I know. It popped up on my computer the other day. Ah! (laughs) Yep. And it actually works very, very well. It can be a little trickier to find some of the formulas, but I've I've used it for pattern editing 
and all of the formulas are actually there. They're just a little buried a little deeper, and it is a simpler program. It's not really as in-depth as mm. Excel. Yeah. If you can't access that, if you are on a PC, you can't afford Excel, you can use Google Sheets. Again, oh. okay. some of the formulas are missing, mm -hmm. and formatting is way more challenging. So it would just be easier to use a pencil and paper at that point, right? In no, if you're no good at Google Sheets, it's it's a perfectly adequate system. Mm. I just find it more challenging to do the same things because the I think in part for me it may be lag time because oh. you do something and because it's internet based, it takes longer for that same thing to happen. Uh. And so I'm not sure it's really happened. And then in the end, I've messed it up. <laughs> yeah, that would be me. That would be me. Impatient. <laughs> but if you have good internet access and you teach yourself Google Sheets, mm -hmm. it's a perfectly adequate way of doing your grading. So pretty much the average knitter out there might have a lot of the tools that they would need uh, to do this, except... I'm assuming that if they're going to be doing this, they are going to need size charts. And where could they find those? There are a number of places to find really good size charts for free. Jill Walcott Knits, and I will throw in here a little bit of a sneak peek. We will be talking with Jill in our next episode. Yay. She has size charts available for free in her blog. They are strictly women's sizes but they're the full range of uh misses to plus sizes she has two two different charts or three different charts and they're really good charts she mm. has spent a lot of time building those charts so they're some of my favorites isolde teague has charts mm. on her website as well that are available for free she has done a lot of research, actual taking people's body measurements. She did a research thing where she reached out and said, hey, send me these measurements on your body. And she plugged them into charts and, and built charts from almost from scratch, not entirely, but almost, wow. which yeah. was really helpful. And she does have men's and children's, which is an advantage. Mm-hmm. The Craft Yarn Council has their standards guide, which includes standard measurements for women, men, and children. They are limited. The, the Craft Yarn Council's size, I don't really like using them because there's too wide a range between one size and the next. Can I ask you a stupid question about that for just a minute? Sure. This is personal and, you know, if if people want to listen in, that's fine. Children's sizing, where does it start? Where does it stop? I know toddler, infant, and all that stuff, but I'm talking about children's sizing. And is there, do they make a differentiation between boys and girls? Yes. Okay. There is definitely a difference between boys and girls, yeah. especially as they get into the older ranges. Correct. Um, when I say children's sizing, usually it's about 
age 12. Okay, that's what I thought. It varies a little bit here and there as to how it applies. Mm -hmm. But then as a parent, I will tell you that it depends a lot on the child. It does, I know. (laughs) My poor youngest finally hit five feet recently and was was absolutely (laughs) celebrating because as she turned 16, she was finally five feet tall. Yay! <laughs> so, following children's sizes for her lasted a lot longer than sure. they did for the boys, who, while still on the short side for males, it's just kind of a family thing. <laughs> um, they they grew out of the children's sizing a little faster than she did. Mm-hmm. Although, quite frankly, if it, their waists were better, well, actually, it's leg length that is the problem. Their waists are still kid sizes. Their legs are not. Yep. I have <laughs> one of those. I have one of those. Yeah. And why they don't make a pair of jeans that is less than a 26-inch waist mm-hmm. with the longer legs. I meant to say 28-inch waist. Although my boys could wear a 26. In this day and age is beyond me. But to be honest, if you look around, the kids I see are, you know, the U.S. has gotten very overweight. Yes. And so manufacturers are are leaning towards towards the heavier sizes and not considering those that are. No, I just wondered for sure what you were including in children's sizing because... Um, it, it can, boys and girls make a big difference. I mean, yes, they, there's usually no sep- and, there's mm-hmm. separate charts for both okay. boys and girls, just like That's there are what for I men's and women's. Mm-hmm. There That's is not separate readers. for, um, boys and girls. If you look at infants and toddlers, right? No, you I get down that right. low and they're all the yeah. same. They're and, just all little baby, little blobs of human flesh. Right. So usually what you will find is infants and toddlers. That'll be Mm -hmm. one size chart. Right. And Mm -hmm. then you'll have the boys charts and the girls charts, which is children's. Mm -hmm. And then you have um, misses and plus size for women's. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you will have men's and big men's for men. A lot of times you'll find just one chart for the men's. It might be a little bit. I'm familiar. (laughs) Larger. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, there might be a few more sizes than you would say find in a Mrs. chart. Mm-hmm. I really don't think they're adequate yet, though. I, hmm. I I think they're really missing the the larger end on the mats. Oh, I it's, know they are. I have one of those. Yeah, <laughs> it's in my house. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the size charts themselves are not accommodating for the big man, and I've yet to find hmm. a really good big man's chart now that said the Mm -hmm. one last source for Mm -hmm. size charts is not free it is the astm which is the american society for testing and materials and after a conversation we recently had i had to go look that up (laughs) i know right i was thinking (laughs) are we like all cars and walls and stuff no (laughs) yeah yeah and it is it is um standards for many many things i 
I thought it was American sizing. And then I thought, no, it's American standards. But mm-hmm. even that was wrong. It's American sizing for testing and materials. And they have standards charts for all types of manufacturing. It's just tons right. and tons. The problem with ASTM size charts is, A, they're still not extensive enough. Mm. B, they haven't been modified in probably 50 years. So they really don't account for the body shapes that we have today. Absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. And C, they're very expensive. I'd heard that, yeah. There's two size charts for women's sizes. There's misses and there's plus. And between the two size charts, you will spell, spend well over $200. Yeesh. That does not include any of the other size charts. And in doing research for today's discussion, I went back to their site to look. They mm-hmm. have dropped the children's sizes completely. You can no longer purchase them. Well, that's weird. Which is devastating. Yeah. That's bizarre. Yeah. Actually. So that's (gasps) for standard body sizes. Their Mm -hmm. woolly worm head has some really great um, hat size charts. Mm -hmm. Fabulous. And again, she's one of those that has actually reached out to her knitting public and said, measure your head in these places mm-hmm. and send me your measurements. And then she took that information and developed her own size charts. And she wow. has measurements on that chart. You will find nowhere else. So for hats, it's a wonderful, wonderful resource. Interesting. And so Lisa, you're going to have all these links and everything on the show notes. Oh yes, definitely. Oh, Definitely. Um, Especially for the free, free sources, the ASTM Mm -hmm. moves things around. Bless their hearts. (laughs) Um, I will put links in for the size charts that I can, but I will warn people if you're not listening to this within say a six month time frame of its release, Mm -hmm. you may find the links I've given you have changed. Right. So I will give you titles and, um, Product code numbers, and when you go to their website, if the link doesn't work, plug those into their search engine, and it will tell Mm. you whether it's still available or not. Wow. Well, this has all been really exciting information. Is there anything else you want to add before I have to go grab my laundry? Yep. There is one more site that I want to mention. It's called Knit It Now. It's for machine knitters, and Mm. they have the full range of sizing, and if I'm not mistaken, that's where I found glove sizing. Interesting glove sizing because I have dinky little hands. Yeah. Yes, wow. for a tall woman, your hands are fairly small, aren't they? My hands and my feet. I know it's my only claim to fame. The rest of it, we're not going to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're just a tall woman. It's not like you're a big woman. You're just tall. No, oh, you haven't seen me lately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. All right, dear. Well, well sweetie, um, I got to Yeah, my washer just done spin out for the last time, and I'm going to go change my laundry around. But I really wanted to get this grading information because I think it's very um, appropriate for today because like you said it is new and I think that there are a lot more designers I mean it's like 
it seems like it's happening in droves. Sign, size designers. inclusivity has become a really yes. big thing in knit design. Very And big. to let everybody know and let you know, we'll be talking a little bit more about this in our next episode with Jill Walcott, because she is yes. one of the premier in this area. She was excellent to talk to. I think the re the readers, listen to me, I'm an author. I think the listeners are going to be excited to hear her. Yes. I really do. All right, mm -hmm. dear. Well, you go take care of your laundry. Have a great day. And we will chat again soon. Okay, Lisa. Thanks for your time, sweetie. Bye. Bye. Denise and I are very excited to share our interview with Jill Walcott for episode eight. So please remember to like, follow, or subscribe. So just to wrap up, remember you can reach us through our Facebook or our Ravelry group at our email at knitdesignedit at gmail.com. And if you would like to learn more about tech editing or grading or other services that I provide, please visit my website at arcticedits.com.